Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, the only podcast that's full of nude conspiracies. I'm your host, the very disappointed and terrified Bob Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, a.k.a. Mumbly Joe. And who is calling in on the line? This is Lewis Pipeson with nothing clever to add. <laughs> that's okay. And today's episode is Treehouse of Horror 7. These candidates make me want to vomit in terror. Me too. Uh, today's episode aired on October 27th, 1996, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened in this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the Yankees beat the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series, VH1 airs its first ever pop-up video, and Stephen King's Thinner curses theaters nationwide. So baseball is what will eventually push all of these Halloween shows into November. <laughs> I, I definitely felt like starting off at the top with baseball because that's why this is the season premiere as well because they couldn't air earlier Simpsons because Fox had the playoffs that year. Yeah, God, premiering at the end of October, I, I was probably in hell waiting for this first season, uh, <laughs> yes. first episode to air. The latest uh, Halloween episode is aired has been November 7th. Oh they my God. Uh, I was addicted to pop-up video. It was like commentary and Wikipedia's before that. I was. Why was Fabio in this music video? I to find out. I'm surprised it didn't have longer legs. It's still not mm-hmm. on TV today. I feel like there's always didn't a market they, didn't for they reboot, that. Didn't they reboot Papa Video at some point or they or they tried to? You know what? They might have. I'm just surprised that like it's I didn't hear about it if they did because it was it seemed like to be such a sensation like it would make you This is sort of the era when people were stop stopping videos on uh, MTV and VH1 as much or they weren't watching them as much and I think that got people back into the idea of watching videos. Yeah. Or th- revisiting old ones. I think they brought it back when they were in the afterglow of uh, uh, return to relevance thanks to the I love the whatevers stuff. Oh, right. right. Which has now just been replaced by listicles online. You and, don't need... And us. Yeah, and <laughs> us. Yeah. Uh, I'm your lower rent Michael Ian Black to sneer at everything. <laughs> to, uh, also, Stephen King's Thinner, that's one of the... I I like how weird that one is. I mean, all Stephen King movies are weird, but this one featured Joe Montaigne. I believe this is from the author Richard Bachman, not Stephen King. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Different people. <laughs> totally different. He's the Chris Gaines of the Stephen King world. I remember that Thinner ends with after he blows up a uh, Romani village and then he eats a pie to yeah. curse someone else. More I actually just watched Thinner like two days ago. Whoa. Really good timing. Does it hold up? Not at all. Aww. <laughs> 
It's, I, uh, I mean, it's it's deeply offensive. <laughs> like, I know that, you know, 90s movies weren't great for their Romani representation, but it's, like, even worse than I remember it being. Ooh, I forgot about that angle because that's the entire angle of the movie. Yes. I mean, ultimately, I can't forgive that, but more more horror movies need to end with a cursed pie. Yeah. The serving <laughs> no, of a cursed pie. It also has, like, the worst fat makeup I've ever seen in the film. It's shockingly bad. Who's the is Joe Montaigne the most famous person in that movie? Um, yes, I would say that. <laughs> well, you know, Stephen King has a has a cameo as a pharmacist mm. uh, named Mister Banger, uh, which is which is subtle. And uh, yeah, Robert John Burke is the the main guy. There's no one really famous in it. So Fat Tony himself is starring in Thinner this week in history. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, so we're, we're at the eighth season, but uh, our special guest this week, Lewis Peitzman, you uh, are a writer for BuzzFeed and uh, you're a Simpsons fan, right? That is correct. Actually, I, I'm, I'm a season eight fan. This is like the season that I rewatched the most. Oh, wow. So, I've, I've watched this Halloween episode countless times. I'd always wanted to invite you on here, but especially for Treehouse of Horror, because you, I, other people have tried to write this, but I do believe your article ranking all the Treehouse of Horror segments is the definitive one on the <laughs> internet. Well, thank you. Um, it was a, a labor of love that became a burden because now I have to update it every year <laughs> and I, I, it's, it's not great, but I, I'm, I'm keeping at it. The only thing that was more impressive than that was whoever ranked every mystery science theater episode, but I think they went mad and were committed after that article was written. No, that, yeah, that, <laughs> I there, also, there's certain things you just can't rank. I mean, people take on these rankings, like I, someone wanted to rank like all the friends episodes and it's like, it's just an exercise and, and I, and I don't know, it's just, there's no way you can distinguish those episodes after a while. You're just going to destroy yourself and your mind in the process. That's true. Uh, what was the process for writing that? That was pretty easy. I mean, I, I do the same thing for, for um, every ranking, which is just kind of like I rewatch everything. I take notes and I give a letter grade in this case to every segment. And then I kind of just organize it based on that and sort of tweak things as as needed but it's pretty straightforward um and i I try to also make sure i'm i'm not just favoring my personal favorites the things that i grew up with Mm. but they do tend to end up on top as someone who's written a lot of lists they're kind of my favorite thing to write because they make the most people mad for (laughs) the worst reasons well people get like not only mad but like just i mean yeah I, i guess it's just it's it's how angry they get that really always surprises me like people are very personally offended if your list is not matched up with theirs who are more offended, Simpsons fans or Disney fans at your ranking of all Disney movies? Mm. Oh, Disney fans for sure. <laughs> what was number one on that? It was Beauty and the Beast, right? It was Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Uh, which I accept I, that. I That's a good pick. stand behind. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, I also do agree with your number one on that, on the Simpsons list too. The Shinning, I think, is the most. Uh, I'd maybe, my personal number one, I think was your number three, uh, Homer Sells His Soul, but The Shinning is pretty great. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's 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 hard to, to top that. Uh, what was your history with The Simpsons too? Like, where, how early were you a viewer of it? I, yeah, I mean, I was watching as long as I can remember. I, I like, one of my earliest memories is telling a teacher in preschool that I was watching The Simpsons and getting like told that was inappropriate (laughs) Um, then then you knew it was cool i knew it was cool i mean it it came on when i was three and i i don't know if i was consciously watching at that point but i really don't remember ever not watching like it was always something that i that i watched and then as i got older it was like appointment tv for me and i would get really upset because there was a time when it was on sundays I think it was was it it was on Seasons. Wednesdays or Thursdays and then Sundays. I don't remember the the schedule, I but I, I remember that like 
whatever day it was was when I would go to my grandparents' house and 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 I was really worried about missing the couch gag on the way back. <laughs> I think we covered it. That uh, was like a huge deal for me. It was on Sunday. What seasons two and three? Season one was Sunday. Then it shifted to Thursday. Oh right, for right, right. Two right. through yeah. five, and then six was when it moved back. To I had Sundays. I had it flipped in my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had to destroy Cosby. Who yeah. who knew oh, he would destroy himself? <laughs> the, well, the treehouse crosses over. Like you're a big horror, horror fan as well, so the, the treehouses must have been some of your favorites. Yeah, I wasn't always a, a horror fan, but I definitely. I mean, I always liked Halloween. You know, what gay kid doesn't like Halloween? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I remember always really enjoying them, and and I, I also remember being mystified when they would air after Halloween because it felt wrong. It always did, yeah. Seasons 12 through 13 were always, they were the season premieres, just like this is, and they came after Halloween, thanks to just the baseball. delays. Ugh. Yeah, good old baseball. Just air it on a different night of the week if, if it's going to miss Sunday. Yeah, like, it's yeah. it's sacrilege to be post-Halloween. I, I still can't believe it happens. Yeah. I mean, they even joke about it on the specials now. Been, mm-hmm. There have been jokes about how it's now a post-Halloween Halloween special. <laughs> when do you keep up with the show today, Lewis? I do not. Mm. I watch the, I watch Trios of Horror every year to uh to update my ranking but that's about it and then every once in a while someone will be talking about something there was a good episode or something that i should watch and i usually try and am not convinced (laughs) Uh, but uh yeah i will continue watching the halloween episodes until the world ends which hopefully won't be too much longer (laughs) (laughs) it's coming soon sweet release (laughs) so we should get into the episode then so uh the thing and i written by ken keeler he did not know about the movie basket case but apparently the the director of this episode did and he said he he referenced a lot of that movie and i personally i i love the movie basket case it's the trashiest uh sweatiest new york armpittiest movie you've ever watched (laughs) uh lewis have you seen basket case before you know i never actually have seen it i mean i'm familiar with it but i haven't seen it all the way through ever it's about a uh, a creature in a basket, of course, uh, hence basket case. And uh, basically, he is the brother of a normal human that was removed at birth and almost murdered. And the brother now carries him around in a basket and avenges all the people who wanted to murder him during the operation or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So it's a revenge. I like, I didn't know that it was a revenge movie. I kind of yes. like that. And he kills an abortionist whose name is Dr. Cutter. Mm, not into that. <laughs> uh, and the, pu- the puppet does. It's subtle social commentary. <laughs> yeah. I will say the puppet does rape somebody. So. So, oh, um, Jesus you, Christ. It's not for everybody, and it's hard for me to watch now, but uh, it's uh, a horrible puppet. <laughs> Uh, well, this one is number 19 on Lewis's rankings of the Treehouse of Horror. I, I think that's a fair space for it, too. I do also love the opening to this. Like, they don't even do, they just cut right to it. Like, Homer lights himself on fire. No parody of the opening. It's just, yeah. let's just speed this up. Homer's on fire and scream. And it's fine. It's fine. And then the couch gag sees them all just die at the feet of death, which it's it's even funnier that the first one is Maggie. That Maggie yeah. just drops dead. It's like, you... I wonder if they would question now killing the baby. <laughs> I mean, uh, in the previous year, we saw them all hanging from uh, ropes, right? Yeah, Including that's true. a dead hanging baby. Yeah. I kind of like cutting right to the episode, though, I have to say. I, you know, like it's, there's no filler. Mm-hmm. We got some, we got some very, I don't know, long, longer segments or, or for whatever reason, they didn't need an opening. Yeah. But I think that's admirable. We've moved beyond the age of Marge warning people uh, mm-hmm. about the episode. And they're, yeah, there you go. You don't need it anymore. And they're always pressed for time anyway. Like this, this is a good segment, but they want to do a mystery, but there's so little time. They barely have any time for a mystery in this. 
like though it is pretty cool on second watch that you can one you when you know what hugo is and what he is doing like then the noises all the sounds make sense the shadows fit with what hugo looks like i mike b anderson and his team uh the on the animation side really did this well yeah and it's great i recommend that you listen to this episode with uh the simpsons episode with good headphones on or a nice stereo because it's seriously creepy the segment is actually very creepy mm-hmm. well and here uh after they are awoken to the noises of something upstairs and we get a little joke of a cat wearing mittens which <laughs> a snowball should be more upset of having her feet covered like uh but uh then we get to the morning breakfast did you guys hear something moving around in the attic last night attic oh that's silly <laughs> seriously though don't ever go up there <laughs> isn't it about time for the you know yeah yeah oh, go feed it <laughs> Okay, we have to talk about fish heads. It's like the one pop culture reference in this episode. Homer is singing the 1978 novelty song Fish Heads by Barnes and Barnes. We do have a clip of this amazing song that I first heard on a Dr. Demento compilation cassette. That's fish heads. Uh, so Barnes and Barnes, uh, those aren't their real names. There are two people playing identical twins mm. in this comedy musical troupe. One of them is Bill Moomy, a child actor who was on Lost Whoa, in Space in the, twi- in the Twilight Zone. I did not know that. In the 70s, I think he just did a ton of drugs and started this, uh, this comedic music group. And they have done way more than just fish heads. I have another clip. I was diving into the Barnes & Barnes discography <laughs> for this uh, episode. No one will ever date me again, but I know so much about them now. Uh, my favorite song that I found is the song I Had Sex with Pac-Man off of the album I Had Sex with E.T. And imagine if Weird Al was... Uh, <laughs> Imagine if Weird Al was part of the Dead Kennedys, and you'll get an idea for what they are. And I have a clip of this song, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have to hear I Had Sex with Pac-Man. All right. It's part of the show. Oh, I had sex with Pac-Man. It happened yesterday. Oh, I had sex with Pac-Man. No, he won't go away. He gobbles me. I gobble him. We're gobbling all day. Oh, I had sex with Pac-Man. It started with a quarter, but quickly fizzled out. I see him in my dreams at night, scuttling about. I know this love will never die. His spongy face, his hungry eye, the points mount up. It gets me high having sex with Pac-Man. <laughs> Way better than Pac-Man Fever. You know what? I, I have to agree with you. I like that more. They even reference Weird Al Yankovic. I had no idea that this uh, this band was a thing. And yeah. I have to check out their entire discography. They've been releasing albums up until 2009. I think they just released one in 2016. Wow. So uh, Barnes & Barnes still doing it. Man. The, the Fish Heads people really uh, <laughs> rode that all the way to uh, whatever they do now. Yeah, the the novelty bank. Though, while that I had sex with Pac-Man song, Dr. Domeno's not going to play something that dirty. Oh, he would. Yeah, okay. I, I've heard some pretty randy songs on the Dr. Demento program. <laughs> I guess I'm just used to the G-ratedness of Al Yankovic that I assume that that's what Dr. Demento always is but because uh, Al Yankovic it's if he ever says hell in a song I'm like oh, gasp 
<laughs> he never gets that. He's he's PG at best. But also that Fishheads music video, I didn't know this until the untimely passing of Bill Paxton, but that was one of his first things he did. He he made the music video for that. He's in it. Wow. He edited it. He directed it. That video is crazy because there's like eight minutes before the song actually starts. It's like weird experimental yeah. <laughs> movie. Uh, again, we're getting really self-indulgent here. This is the one pop culture reference in this episode, <laughs> so we have to milk it for all it's worth. So that's your uh, history lesson on Barnes & Barnes. I, I, just, I just learned from Wikipedia that eagle-eyed cherry did a cover of fish heads whoa which i would like to hear now yeah. i should hear that like at my dentist's office or something <laughs> uh my mom was a big a fan of fish heads like she before i ever heard the actual song when if we had fish my mom <laughs> would sing the fish head song out loud i was like this is a weird what are you talking about <laughs> mom like i and then i think i eventually saw it in the pre-youtube era because i would of course watch any snl rerun that aired even the bad 1980 81 ones and they put fish heads on that oh, that makes pl- sense they just played it straight on an episode back to the street house of horror <laughs> that fish head song was fun too because i think they said that dan just ad-libbed sang it and they're like that's funny let's just keep it and then they had to pay for it i so, bet they did yeah yeah <laughs> i wonder how much that costs how much are the rights to fish heads hmm, i bet I, we could do it i would bet barnes and barnes is not they're not asking for much like the comparatively they're not the beatles <laughs> i would hope not but uh, i don't know bill boomy he could use the money and like he's uh otherwise he just appears at like convention signing things of like yep that's me i talked to a carrot in that one episode of lost in you space you can see him at chiller con this weekend <laughs> I'm making that up, but it's probably happening. Uh, what was? Oh yeah, he was. He was also in Twilight Zone. The, uh, the he was the character that Bart played. Yeah, the, it's a good life. It's a good. It's good that Bart did that. Mm-hmm. Very good. But I also like how, in general, Homer is very bad at keeping this entire secret. He's like yes. the it. And this time I fed it. Like <laughs> it's. I I just like the general continuity of this that they mess around with. How Hugo just appeared overnight, but he's always existed. Yeah, they they do dip into the Simpsons uh, timeline a bit to mess with it. I, yeah. I do enjoy that. And it's it's amazing how they keep uh, they were able to keep it a secret for a decade. And when they go, they suddenly weren't. Yeah, they, they just suddenly forgot how to keep a secret. Yeah, uh, and and then they go upstairs to the attic. They check it out. I love the little visual of Maggie holding the lantern and Bart, Bart holding yeah. Maggie. And there's a lot of uh, Simpsons, uh, you know, memorabilia up there. There's the Mary Worth phone, uh, Marge's Ringo painting, one of them. Uh, Bart's discarded guitar from the auto show. It's wow. the exact same color, too. I looked up a clip. Uh, some B-sharp stuff in, the, I think, the Spine Melter 2000, the, the chair that Herb, uh, Herb got him, rather. Yeah, whatever happened to that? It's so weird. He just, Maybe that chair disappeared. Those vibrating chairs from the 90s, they didn't vibrate for long. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we had one of those. And there was an I Didn't Do It shirt as well, so. I like seeing this attic because it, it also reminds me of the kind of junk-filled attic full of continuity that they had in Two Bad Neighbors, but they also redesigned it to make it spooky, to have, like, <laughs> yeah. tattered uh, to have tattered window dressing and just, like, it's too sca- it's a much taller attic than they normally are given. And uh, then they have to run away from Hugo. We get to see Hugo in the dark, and you can totally see his character outline when you pause it. Hugo's right there. I, it's, it's a really great way they play with the uh, uh, the continuity here and here again is homer being very bad at keeping a secret <laughs> what's up there is it a monster we have to know Come on, what's the secret no more questions i work my butt off to feed you four kids and all you do it what three we have three kids homer yeah three nosy kids and you know what happens to nosy kids who ask too many questions no, no what happens if something happens to 
I do enjoy that line a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happens to Nosy Kid? And uh, then they they set him free by going in the attic, and, uh, and you had to find out that Homer and Marge left three kids home alone <laughs> to wash their car in the rain. Like they're really bad parents in this one segment. That's a great little joke that explains why they were out of the house, <laughs> just driving around in the rain. It's so cheap. And I like the little misdirect on the vases versus the uh, them being in the closet. It reminds me of the shorts, honestly, because there's like three different shorts about vases, either, yeah, vases or closets, and then just messing around with them. Yeah, Marge delivers what I'm gonna just say here. Our line of the episode jingle, I think we should say for Citizen Kang. Yeah, uh, there are some really good lines in the other parts. I mean, this is one of my favorite lines from the show, uh, period. But uh, Citizen Kang has some of the best lines ever spoken by humans. So. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but here's here's when they find out about Hugo. Hey, you think it's safe? I don't care. I can't breathe in here. See, <laughs> Marge, who needs a car wash when you can just drive around in the rain? Mom, Dad, we saw something in the attic. We saw something in the attic. You went into the attic? <gasps> I'm very disappointed and terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that. Uh, it's almost as good as vomit and terror. I like it a little more. Disappointed yeah. and terrified. <laughs> that she is accounting both of her feelings at once. She can <laughs> feel them at the same time. I love the visual of the visual. I love the visual of the open door with the claw marks on it. Like that feels like taken straight out of a werewolf movie oh, yeah. or something. And uh, then Doctor Hibbert arrives very quickly after that phone call. Yes, Doctor. It's what we've always feared. It's loose. Hugo is loose. See you soon. Who or what is Hugo? I'm afraid we haven't been entirely honest with you, Bart. You see, you have a brother. So I have two brothers? Lisa, please. (laughs) Yes, Bart, you have a twin brother. You see, when you were born, there was an irregularity. A monstrous irregularity. Ah! Ah. (laughs) Yes, I remember Bart's birth well. You don't forget a thing like Siamese twins. I believe they prefer to be called conjoined twins. And hillbillies prefer to be called sons of the soil. But it ain't going to happen. Now, normally the birth of Siamese twins is a joyous occasion. But unfortunately, (laughs) one of them was pure evil. I do really enjoy Hibbert meeting Marge's scream with, uh. (laughs) I'd be shocked, too. It's like, you called me here. (laughs) I like that little scream. I I, I don't know. It adds a lot for me. Yeah, I like that a lot. uh, And and also just that how Hibbert's choice of words first on conjoined twins and then also saying saying that it's normally a happy occasion. (laughs) But but Lisa just gets dumped on twice in this scene. It's like, quiet, Lisa. And then like Hibbert just being very patronizing. It's like, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to change the way. When did we we stop saying Siamese twins? Like, when did that become the the non-PC way to refer to conjoined twins? I I think like uh, whenever, this was the era in which uh, Jerry Springer would have those uh, conjoined twins that would play like country music. And one was much smaller than the other. And she like Mm. sort of sat in a, like a high, like rolly chair. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think they were they were promoting uh, the use of the word conjoin, and that sort of caught on from there. Yeah, I remember. Th- I think this episode might have been the first time I'd heard that term conjoin used, and found out that it was the cor- the preferred term, especially with. Well, then it connects to that. Uh, what was that? The 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 conjoin twins movie from the Dark Half. Fa- uh, no, the Fairly Brothers. The oh, uh, stuck on you. Stuck on you. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, I think that's that's when it really. I think came a movie up. that they came up with the. the- 
they they got the title first and then worked backwards. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I cashed in my chips with Shallow Howl. I didn't follow him that far. <laughs> if you watch the that movie, you get to see Cher play herself. Ooh, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and I also remember the conjoined twins who were on a, a different... I was thinking of a different pair of conjoined twins who were these two guys who, like, nerdy-looking dudes. And I just remember this... I didn't watch Jerry Springer directly. I watched Talk Soup. And I remember a clip on there where they asked someone in the audience, I asked, like, are you guys virgins? They're like, no. And then they high five each other. Cool. Oh, my God. Wait, were these the guys that galloped? Hmm. hmm. Might there be. There were those two guys that they were kind of facing each other. And yeah, these were the facing each other guys. Yeah. Yeah. They would sort of gallop. That's right. Oh, my God. Watch. I mean, I don't want to offend any of our conjoined twin listeners, but you're supposed to devour your twin in the womb. You get rid of that <laughs> yes. before birth. That's the plan. Speaking of the dark half, yeah. since you mentioned the dark half, which I also just rewatched. I'm I'm rewatching every Stephen King movie. Ah. what's happening. And they later made that. I, oh no, that's just why I I, uh, I watched the dark half in thinner recently. Not not for my enjoyment. <laughs> because I. I am watching every Stephen King movie, and it's a serious undertaking. <laughs> I think they later remade the Dark Half into like a TV series with Anthony Michael Hall. Am I am I misremembering this? That's that's the the Dead Zone. Oh, the Dead Zone. Okay, it's a different Stephen King thing. Yes, the Dark Half would be really hard to pull off as a as a series. There's <laughs> not much going on there. I mean, there's there's 800 Stephen King things. It's that's important. true. It, kudos to you for being able to watch all of them, at least every film. I don't know what I signed up for. Well, I'm doing every film, every miniseries, <gasps> and every every like limited series because that counts. But I'm not doing I'm not doing full on TV series like The Dead Zone, mm. and I'm not doing uh, I'm not I'm not doing things that are were written by him for the screen. Okay, only adaptations. I'll only, otherwise I would go insane. I'll only watch the movies he directs. <laughs> They're the best. Oh really? So so it's just <laughs> Maximum Overdrive and that's, nothing else. That's the only movie that I own and will watch. I love that trailer for Maximum Overdrive. Is he's just like looking so bonkers, staring at the camera, like I'm gonna scare you to death. Yardley Smith is in that movie, and yep. she was on a great episode it of. Is, it is it is a uh, one of the worst performances I've ever seen in the film. But <laughs> yeah. bless her heart, it's just it's so deeply irritating. <laughs> I had a hard time getting through it. Listen to the podcast. I was there too with Yardley Smith. She talks about making that movie and how everyone was drunk. <laughs> Everybody was drunk. He was definitely on cocaine. I mean, he was not just drunk. Stephen King himself. Oh yeah. I mean, he was on cocaine. He was on coke. All the actors were drunk mm -hmm. because he, she was like, that the, makes sense. The set sucked, and they just brought out beer for us all the time to calm <laughs> us down. <laughs> I remember that movie. She has the line like, he's bleeding like a stuck pig. <laughs> I also just watched the, you know that they, they actually did another version of that story. Like the, the story Trucks that became Maximum Overdrive was also made into a TV movie in Canada called Trucks. What? It is somehow worse than wow. Maximum Overdrive. Wow. At least Maximum Overdrive looks like it has some money, like the some budget to it. I mean, they could afford to license Marvel Comics character the Green Goblin for it. For a long <laughs> it's time, it's very confusing why the, the, the Green Goblin is so central to that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a long time, I thought that was a Spider-Man movie. I'm not even kidding. I, I never, I never saw him like, well, Spider-Man must show up at some point. I know this Goblin guy's associated with him. Spidey will save us. Uh, in the flashback to the uh, to their birth, I really love. This is some. Stuff they wouldn't do in current Simpsons. I don't want to just complain about current Simpsons, but they, in this flashback, it looks just like the his birth in the season three episode, I Married Marge. Yeah, Homer, Marge, and Hibbert all have the same haircuts from that episode. Mm -hmm. 
it specifically dates it to 1980, which also doesn't work with a 10 year old barge, but still Mm -hmm. I, I like, I like that they went to that effort. I feel like they do that now. They just look the same or I don't know. They, they wouldn't have the same attention to detail or they'd make it that they were, that Bart was born in like 2008, which is just depressing. I don't like to be stressful. I hate it. Yeah. Just the, the in general aging up of Bart is no, no fun. I, I also, I love Marge's reaction to the biting and just the way she like grabs her chest of like, I think I'll bottle feed that one. <laughs> and uh, I mean, after you watch it once, it's the joke is ruined, but I like the paper cutter gag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There are, there are two jokes about Hibbert about to cut something and it's not uh, the conjoined twins. It's, it's pretty great. <laughs> and uh, then we get another, I'm one of my, there's so many great lines in this episode. I love this <laughs> one so much. But what to do with poor Hugo? Too crazy for boys town. Too much of a boy for crazy town. The child was an outcast. So we did the only humane thing. We chained Hugo up in the attic like an animal and fed him a bucket of fish heads once a week. It saved our marriage. You expect me to believe all this? If any of it was true, wouldn't I have a big hideous scar? (laughs) We've got to find Hugo. We'll search out every place a sick, twisted, solitary misfit might run to. I'll start with Radio Shack. Right. Bart, you stay home and tape the hockey game. (laughs) Homer has other priorities. I love that in the Simpsons world, there is a place called, quote, crazy town, unquote. And that's a place where you send the crazy people. But they can't be too boyish. Yeah, too. there's an age limit (laughs) at crazy town. And that I also love how they have to rush through, like, all the plotting consistencies here of just like the margin Homer I have to say so quickly, like, yeah, we chained him up in the attic and fed him fish heads, uh, a bucket of fish heads a week. Goodbye. And Bart suddenly seeing a hideous scar down the, down the side of his body. That he'd never noticed before now, ever. They really, they cram a lot of story into this, uh, what is it, eight minute segment? Yeah, even more like six with the opening. They they barely have time in this one for it. They zip right through it, which I, I love. Same with the, there's no real reason for them to abandon Bart at home alone, but the yeah. hockey game is such a great, <laughs> such a great bad reason for it. We're pre-DVR folks. He's got to stay home and hit that VCR button. <laughs> also, Homer, famously a fan of hockey. He <laughs> loves, he tapes every hockey game. He likes uh, betting on uh, children's hockey, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I also, uh, Radio Shack, does that, can you even go to a Radio Shack anymore? Are there any left? There's a Radio Shack like 10 minutes from here. Oh, I was going to say there was not any, so I, I'm clearly misinformed. I guess is that Radio Shack still open? The one it on is, the, and I, I don't know how or why. I mean, I, I I assumed it was just for like grandparents to go to <laughs> to buy you disappointing Christmas presents, like a radio control car with a wire attached to the controls. Once every few years, if I need a power cord ASAP, I gotta go to Radio Shack. It's kind of my only option in this area. I think. I mean, I still think technically there's a couple Blockbuster videos still open, just like, thanks to like in um, Alaska. Aren't they only in Alaska. They're yes. only in Alaska. Yeah, but I mean, technically they, they are still open. I, I don't. I actually think they're not part of the Blockbuster company. They're just have the, all of the signage and everything. They're just independently owned. Those, uh, okay. Yeah, I I worked at a Blockbuster video, rented many scary movies there. It was uh, no fun and i'm glad they're gone they they deserve to die uh so bart is left alone and hugo finally makes his appearance you're here aren't you yes bart i never left you (laughs) what do you want from me you'll see after the surgery Ah! (laughs) you're crazy am i well perhaps we're all a little crazy 
I know I am. <laughs> I went mad after they tore us apart. But I'll be sane once I sew us back together. But you'll kill both of us! No, it's easy. Look, I've been practicing. I made a pigeon rat. <laughs> well, let's get started. Hey, the pigeon rat survived. Yeah. It's not a good life. It should, <laughs> though, I don't trust... he. He's having to sew himself together there, so that I have a true. feeling he won't do that. Not as much control. So we did uh, Talking Futurama, the first season of Futurama, available only on our Patreon. And uh, having watched all of the first season and, you know doing all my notes and research for that. I do I do hear a lot of Futurama-y lines in some of these, especially when they're written by Futurama writers. So this, ep- this segment is written by Ken Keeler. And uh, the line of dialogue, am I? Well, perhaps we're all a little crazy. I know I am. Is <laughs> yeah. a very Futurama-y yeah. line. It's like when, when a character immediately contradicts himself in the same like <laughs> three sentences, I feel like that is a very Futurama, Futurama-y dialogue. Oh, yeah. I just want to say that the pigeon rat is one of my favorite designs of anything ever. <laughs> Why was there never a pigeon rat like plushie? Uh, I mean, I'm sure if you go on Etsy, there are, but I want an official Simpsons someone, pigeon someone rat. Made, someone made that, or at least someone has probably taxidermied a real version of that. Which oh, is- oh, for sure. That's got to be real. That had to happen in like, November of 1996. <laughs> well, I think that uh, that pigeon rat, I would maybe it's come as an accessory with other Simpson toys. Mm, the Hugo like, toy? I wonder uh, if there was a Hugo toy. Uh, maybe to take a look, but I think the, uh, I also like the pigeon rat design. I thought it was very Futurama-y, just the ridiculousness of it. And the, uh, I like just a blank look, like the pigeon and the rat have just blank looks on their face. They're not upset either way about being a pigeon rat. <laughs> They've just come to accept it of like, well, sometimes I fly and sometimes I crawl on the ground. That's just <laughs> how it is. They, they adapt well, those creatures. Yes, that's true. So I believe, I think the kid robot version of Hugo has a, the pigeon rat. Oh, nice. Just, just in the nick of time to say Bart Hibbert is here. There, there, Hugo, I understand. All those years caged up in here, why, you've probably never even seen your own face in the mirror, <laughs> have you? Here. <laughs> we think we saw Hugo at the airport. He was boarding a plane to Switzerland. It- oh. You know, isn't it interesting how the left or sinister twin is invariably the evil one? I had this theory that... Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Hugo's scar is on the wrong side. He couldn't have been the evil left twin. That means the evil twin is, and always has been... Bart. <laughs> oh, don't look so shocked. So Hibbert with absolutely no expression on his face punching a child through a frame <laughs> is such a great visual gag. And I think it's popped up in a lot of memes lately and a lot yes. of shit posting. Yeah, I think so too. And that he he punches a child through the picture frame. It's just how and I love how Hugo so trustingly looks at the picture like hmm? And it would be the very pat ending of another uh, worst story where the monster sees itself in the mirror and has some kind of re- revelation or something about <laughs> yeah. about its existence, but no, it's just it's just a trick to punch him in the face <laughs> to punch a child. It's not a particularly clever trick either, which is what makes it really special. No, I mean Hugo probably has never seen himself in the mirror, so it well it it 
gets good at fooling him. You feel sure. so okay. You feel so bad for Hugo that he turned. He is more monstrous than Bart, but he's nice in every way. Like he doesn't want to kill or hurt anybody. He just wants his bucket of fish heads a week. That's all he wants. I did love that too in the reveal of Hugo that even when he's free. All he does is go to the fridge and get a fish head. Like that he's still, <laughs> That's all he knows. All he, he doesn't know any better. It's consistent within the episode, too, the reveal of Bart being the left twin. Like, his scar is on the wrong side the second you see it. Like, he was always the left twin. And it is the left twin who's doing all the biting when they are born, too. And we learned that left means sinister in uh, When Flanders Failed. That's right. Yes. That's how... It's the only way I learned that. I was not going to learn it from reading a book of some <laughs> kind. It's it seems they need to find a new solution. Well, chalk this one up to carelessness on my part. But I think <laughs> there's a way to set everything right. <laughs> Care for a drumstick, Hugo? Mom, Hugo's eating his napkin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I have some turkey? Oh, you finish your fish heads, then we'll talk. Both of their humane solutions uh, involve chaining a boy up in the attic yeah. and feeding him fish heads. I wonder how they arrived at fish heads as a as a as a food. Maybe they have a connection with some, but with a uh, fishmonger who can get them all the fish heads they want for free. Yeah, I, th- I feel it's a fairly inexpensive item. <laughs> yeah, I love that they have to accept. Like, well, we need a balance here. You, someone needs to be in the attic. Yeah. Bart, Bart has proven that he cannot be in the attic and exist, but no, he needs to go upstairs. And ultimately, Bart has committed more evil in the world than Hugo. Hugo was never given a chance yes. to be evil, <laughs> truly evil. There's been different levels to how evil Bart is. Like, he's sometimes a rapscallion and other times has been in flashback scene as uh, the Damien from The Omen. (laughs) I also do love that they flash forward to Thanksgiving at the end there, too, which, you know, when you're watching this in Halloween, you're already thinking, like, oh, yeah, Thanksgiving, that's coming up, too. See, they could have aired this in in late November and it would have still been timely. (laughs) I would watch, even when it wasn't a new episode, I'd watch the reruns on Sunday night. And it was always funny when the Halloween special came around in like March or whatever. Uh, Same with the Christmas episodes too. Yeah, I can do a Halloween episode any time of the year, but Christmas, I needs to be in the Christmas zone from Mm -hmm. like Halloween till January 1st. Remember when Cartoon Network would do the Christmas in July marathons? Mm. I always would think that had to be like some contractual agreement. Like, if you license these shows, you got to show them twice a year. <laughs> like, you've... the kids need to see the Pac Man Christmas again. I can't, I can't think about Pac Man the same way ever again after you played that song. <laughs> <laughs> God, I mean, for me. the spoiler at the end of that song, it's revealed that uh, Pac Man left that man to date Weird Al Yankovic. So, uh, yeah. That Pac-Man, you can't trust him. <laughs> did did Miss Pac-Man exist at that time, or was it pre Miss Pac-Man? It was. That's from a 1982 album, so I think Miss Pac-Man was 83. Oh yeah, so okay. Yeah. I was wondering, like, if it was made in a world post Miss Pac-Man, and they chose to have it about have, still having sex with Pac-Man instead of Miss Pac-Man. That's an interesting choice to me. I'm but. sure people are asking, is there a Miss Pac-Man? But uh, <laughs> there was no answer until the next year. The Simpsons will be right back. Hope you're enjoying your fish heads for this Halloween in July episode and welcome 
to the eighth season of The Simpsons and Talking Simpsons. And we appreciate all your support here. And did you know that every season at the end of it, we do a season wrap-up where we go over all of the news and events that happen in the world of The Simpsons and pick our favorite episodes and favorite characters of the season and do a whole deleted scene special? Well, we do, but it's only on Patreon. You can only hear it if you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for just five dollars a month you get access to that and tons more things including every episode of talking simpsons a week early and ad free you can also hear all of our cool interviews that we've done over the years including our most recent one with mike reese executive producer of the simpsons for almost 30 years who wrote a brand new book springfield confidential and he tells us all about it not to mention you get access to the entirety of talking futurama where we go through the entire first season of talking critic where we covered the entire critic series even the webisodes check out all that and so many more things at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and support us today On top of Talking Simpsons, we also do a weekly podcast called What a Cartoon. Do you love how we do our Talking Simpsons style deconstructions, but wish we did it for every cartoon? Well, we're doing our best with this show where we go through a different episode of a different show each week. We've done Rocco's Modern Life. We've done Batman the Animated Series. We've done King of the Hill. We've done anime like Cowboy Bebop. We've done Samurai Jack. We've done so many shows, and you can check those out on iTunes or at the RSS feed or if you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons on top of your simpsons content you'll also get what a cartoon a week early and ad free and if you'd like to watch along with some of the tunes we do on what a cartoon many of them are available on hulu and you can get a free 30-day trial of hulu on us at tiny.cc slash ts hulu that's tiny.cc slash t as i'm talking s as in simpsons hulu if you go there you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of hulu and it's a great way to support the show on top of going to the patreon tiny.cc slash ts hulu Uh, so then we move on to the Genesis Tub, which uh, Lewis ranks as number 10 Ooh, okay. all time of the Halloween segments. So this is a parody of the uh, Twilight Zone episode, The Little People, and that is currently on Netflix. Have either of you seen this uh, episode before? I, I think I must have, but I, I don't remember it. It's it's pretty stupid. I'll explain <laughs> it. So uh, like a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, it's two people having a very stagey argument and saying each other's names a lot. But I find that very entertaining. So what happens is two astronauts uh, have to make an emergency landing on a planet. One of them is very sensible. The other one is very like brazen and sort of like shiftless. And that guy finds a tiny civilization and he decides that he's going to be their guide. And he goes insane and they build a giant statue of him. And he basically uh, makes the other guy leave him alone on the planet. Like, no, I'm going to be the god of this planet. You just get the hell out of here. And then immediately after that... Two larger people show up and crush him to death. It's a very stupid ending. <laughs> what and, a twist! And even even Rod I like Serling. It. I mean, it's 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 fun in a way that like 
my favorite Twilight Zone episode is are the ones where someone just gets fucked over by <laughs> by the world for no reason. Like the, when the guy breaks his glasses, there's no message there. Like Rod Serling does not try to spin his way out of this episode. Just to have a, a backup pair of glasses at all times. Exactly. It's, it's about Very it's about planning. Message to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It's goofy, and it's just uh, just two people arguing in front of a rock for 20 minutes. But um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, not a lot of it has to do with this episode. Uh, in fact, even the ending is way different. But uh, there's you can see some some similarities here. I think the guy also like Bart cruelly crushes them yeah. with his finger like but that's what makes them uh, think he's the god and not the devil ah, yeah okay. like an angry god they blame themselves just like we do with mm. with religion but I, I do know in that episode that uh, the, the sensible one is played by Claude Aikens aka oh. Lobo Lobo Sheriff Lobo bring back Sheriff Lobo now he's great in that I actually didn't know this was a Twilight Zone episode until a 2002 episode of South Park then referenced this episode oh you're right which that would be the, uh, the season 6 episode 6 Seven of South Park called Simpsons did it, which not as big a fan of the South Park now as I was then. Not even a tenth as big a fan. I'm pretty much done with South Park to be honest. But I did like this episode when it was new because so they wrote this episode. It was about the Professor Chaos character, and they then wanted a story where he blots out the sun. And then somebody told him, like, well, the Simpsons did that, like, a year ago. Or, no, they did that, like, six years ago. (laughs) And they then became obsessed with the idea of, like, any idea we have the Simpsons already did, we're going to copy it. And this Genesis Tub bit actually is the resolution to the episode, which I'll play now. Very impressive, Eric. What do you intend to do with your underwater society? I'm going to send a message to my people and tell them to develop a great machine that will shrink me down to their size so I can live amongst them forever. The hell is wrong with you, Butters? They did that on The Simpsons! Ha! Treehouse of Horror, episode 4F02, The Genesis Tub. Lisa loses a tooth, and the bacteria on it starts to grow, and makes a little society, and they build a statue of her thinking she's God. Ha! Ha ha So? Yeah, so? Dude, The Simpsons done everything already. Who cares? Yeah, they've been on the air for like 13 years. Of course they've done everything. Every idea's been done, Butters, even before The Simpsons. Yeah. In fact, that episode was a ripoff of a Twilight Zone episode. Really? So I shouldn't care if I come up with an idea and the Simpsons already did it. It doesn't matter. Boy, to think of a time when there were only 13 years of the Simpsons. Yeah. And also to hear Isaac Hayes. It's so quaint. <laughs> it's so quaint to think about that. There's been 13 whole years of the Simpsons. Now we're going to hit season 30 uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Or this this coming year, I In think. In the summer yeah. or fall, yeah. And yeah, also hearing Isaac Hayes, it's like, oh yeah, I, before he made the split with them over Scientology, which, sad, sad and Butters had the production code, right? This is 4FO2. I forget what 4FO1 is, the first production episode. I think that is You Only Move Twice. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the first one in that order. But I I remember we interviewed Dan Graney and he was because he wrote this segment and I we asked him about this and he was jealous in the reverse way of just like well South Park now beats Simpsons can never do current event stuff sooner than South Park they always they get beat by months to any current events thing. It's South impossible Park. for them to catch up. But uh, so no one corrects us. Four F O one is Lisa's date with density. <sighs> Apologies. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so glad you checked that. Yes. I, <laughs> Fall into the the start here with Lisa and her tests, uh, testing out her tooth. This tooth will be perfect for my science project. Science has already proven the dangers of smoking, alcohol, and Chinese food, but I can still ruin soft drinks for everyone. (laughs) Hey, Lise, check out my science project. How? What's that supposed to prove? That nerds conduct electricity. Ow! 
<laughs> it's also like a Twilight Zone episode in that its scope is pretty much just Lisa's bedroom. Yeah, pretty much. So according to Snopes, the uh, Coke dissolving a tooth thing is an old wives' tale. Can't happen. Like, that it would... Is that, is that true? I always believed that. So according to Snopes, multiple, they have quotes from multiple sourced scientists saying like, no, it won't destroy a tooth. You'd it, like, it couldn't even destroy like a fly's corpse overnight. Uh, they showed off in there. But bubble yum is still so how, full how of many, spiders. How, how many, how many like kids tried to do that science experiment at some point and were disappointed that their teeth did not dissolve. I know so many. That's why it's such a perfect, like little kid science experiment that I mean, yeah, little kids have access to teeth to and, like, and uh, so yeah free teeth <laughs> well they also when people talk about the tooth decaying nature of soda it's like well you don't keep soda in your mouth for 24 hours like you do with the oh, tooth I on do. it I, I do I, I, I like to go to sleep at night holding <laughs> a bunch of soda in my mouth well also uh, Lisa mentions Chinese food that is goes to the fears of MSG which which has been de- debunked heavily debunked and yeah. MSG is delicious <laughs> I, I believe the fear for MSG was people would be allergic to it and mm. that's why you'd see a lot of restaurants saying no MSG but it's like the secret like sixth flavor or whatever yeah it's it's what, is it umami to umami i think it is yeah, yeah. well ms no msg is is tangy msg hmm. is, uh, is the flavor that goes on doritos oh it's okay that, it's that kind of sour delicious tangy flavor that's on like most chips i call it monosodium and glutamate yeah <laughs> you should you should sprinkle msg on everything it is delicious and a lot of that that fear mongering was super racist it was oh, all yeah. about you know chinese restaurants and you know what they were putting in the food so yeah i mean we should all eat more msg <laughs> growing up in the midwest i did not eat chinese food until i was like 18 because the uh the rumors were they're dirty their food mm. is dirty yeah no the msg fear is is so racialized that until the 80s uh and maybe into the 80s even the, the common term was chinese restaurant syndrome oh my god that's that was the official title for it <laughs> that's crazy i didn't even know that and then Holy it just shit. spread from like in the 50s a chinese restaurant was a new idea still for very much of america and the idea of like oh i tasted something i i don't understand and then my neck started feeling weird and i got some numbness in my arms and it's it's all seemed pretty psychosomatic i think a lot of it is just that like chinese food's also very salty and if you eat a lot of very salty food you feel a little weird afterwards. Yeah. Mm. I think that's why Americans started making up their own bad Chinese food, like chop suey. Just like, well, this, I guess this could be Chinese food, honey. <laughs> it, could, it could be anything from the far off East. <laughs> so Lisa is wrong. Chinese food has not been ruined. Mm-hmm. Another Futurama dorky, all this science stuff definitely feels very Futurama. It's a very nerdy joke. The idea that your microscope is at one X, that there's a one X setting on your microscope. But you have to be a nerd to even think of that. And, uh, then Lisa awakes to quite a discovery the next morning. Tiny little people. My God, I've created life. Lisa, breakfast. We're having waffles. Ooh, waffles. <laughs> hey, these aren't waffles. These are just square pancakes. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. The waffle iron's in the shop. Waffle iron's been in the shop forever. So, how are my little Stone Age tub dwellers? Oh my gosh, they're evolving so quickly. They've already reached the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Wait, one of them is nailing something to the door of the cathedral. I've created Lutherans. 
I, I really enjoy, they have so little time in these segments that they waste time sending Lisa to the kitchen to be disappointed with square pancakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great joke. I don't know. It seems worth it to me. No, I like it. I like how they're squandering the uh, the more interesting science stuff with uh, pancake disappointments. Yes. <laughs> it's a very Simpson thing to do. First, the idea that Lisa finds waffles more exciting than creating life. And then second, that Marge, I mean, the work Marge puts into making square pancakes too. It's That's so funny. To I, I find in general, it's much harder harder to find waffles than it is pancakes at restaurants so mm-hmm. like for some reason i don't know they just don't want to go through the effort but a good waffle is so good i mean it's the same starchy junk either way which i love i want to mm. cover it in syrup and eat all of it cornmeal but... cornmeal waffles mm. try it the waffle iron has been in the shop forever it's like what just get a new waffle that's a lie iron. they just tell the kids that lie <laughs> oh that's you're right oh, i realize now that also i'm gonna have to count on one of our more religious nerd fans to tell me how that martin oh. luther joke i mean i know what it means yeah martin like luther it. nailed the theme to the the door of the church and basically created Protestantism, mm-hmm. um, and that was a long, 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 long time ago. And so she created Lutherans. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, Protestantism had none of the problems that ca- the Catholic Church did. Nope, so. nope, nope, they're all fine. <laughs> yep, Bart arrives and causes some trouble. Wow, it's almost like seeing into the future. Hey, what is this goo? You trying to grow a friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you built a model city. Is that the school? Whoops, my finger slipped. Oops, my finger slipped. Oops, my fingers slipped. Come on, stop it! <laughs> oh, my poor little guys. That bard is so rude. So in the Twilight Zone episode, the guy starts smashing stuff not to get even with anyone or not to, like, mess with anybody. He's just a budding sociopath. It's like, what yeah. would happen if I crush these people? That's, uh, that's scarier than Bart. Bart's an innocent sociopath. But I at least like to read that Bart at this time doesn't think they're real. Yeah, he thinks yeah. It's fake. When he says Model City, he thinks it's fake. Though, I love that Lisa has, like, almost a Stephanie on Full House reaction to... A holocaust, like a little people. How rude. So many are dead. And Lisa is just like, how that party is so rude. Mm-hmm. How many people are there? I mean, it's not really that much room, right? It's a pretty big. I guess big... the microscope is, is uh, you know, making it look. I mean, I guess there are going to be a lot of them shoved in there. It's a pretty nicely sized city once we get down in it. I, You got to figure everyone in the city is there when Lisa gets teleported down. And that looks like thousands of people, at, le- at least a thousand. I also like that they, everything is central to the tooth. When they go, this is skipping ahead a little bit. But when you just see in there that everything is central to the tooth, they all built around the tooth the tooth is like their church the like, one church one of the guys has like a scepter with the tooth on it yes. too yeah <laughs> it means everything to that i i just love that silliness too and then we get not good for audio spaceship battle which is like it's insane that on this tv show they basically do like a star wars trench run on shooting bart with spaceships it kind of reminded me uh in anime when they'll do like a first person perspective shot like in animation of someone <laughs> moving down a hallway or someone like running or like a car driving down the road like it, they use the computer to figure this out they did this is not computer animated but like with the um the pan around the car in uh bart on the road they use the computer to figure out the logistics of how the camera would move and what everything around the camera would be doing so that's why this looks so good. I especially love them going over the blanket towards yeah. Bart. Like in, and then they have a very cartoony thing of like flying between Bart's ears as if there's nothing between them and shooting inside of it. And the smoke coming out of his ears, he's like, oh, like, ouch. So I would think somebody flying through my brain would kill me. Yeah, it should. <laughs> And then we get another, like, great line. I just love the uh, the alliteration of this line. Yeah. Your micro 
little jerks attacked me. Well, you practically destroyed their whole world. You can't protect them every second. Sooner or later, you'll let your guard down and then flush. It's toilet time for Tiny Town. I think of that like once a week. It's not a, it's not like a, even like a great joke, but just it's a toilet time for Tiny Town. <laughs> it's fun to say. It is. It really is. No, I think about it, but it's it's not one that you really can reuse. Best The best Simpsons lines you can reuse in real life, but toilet time for Tiny Town doesn't have any practical use. Oh, I got to give t- tons of reasons why I would say that in any given day. When I get rid of my Lego uh, cities, it's right down the toilet. <laughs> uh, again, if there wasn't Citizen Kang, that would be a, that's a contender for line of the episode and i also forgot like how fast this episode goes like the second bart's gone she's teleported away like they uh, gotta move so fast she's debigulated henry oh, pardon and me. i have to say also uh the like the little like halos of uh science stuff going around her that is taken from the movie metropolis mm-hmm. the uh the, the first version of that movie the classic one yeah it's from the it's, 20s the robot radiates that i believe yeah yeah it's not it's it doesn't work as a debigulator in that but it's the the visual effect is the same and i i remember too to go back to that dan greening interview i accidentally thought that this came before mm. he invented the word in biggin and so like oh it's kind of like this prefigures in biggin this debigulator and then later he uh, like texted me to correct me like this actually came after in biggin so i did not steal for myself with that and biggin came for her okay like i i want to say that david uh, s cohen uh creator of most of the fake words in the simpsons he created uh debigulator but then dan created rebigulator is that uh, how okay. it worked out i, I think based on the commentary uh, dan Grady makes a joke like my job is to like one up David Cohen's uh, fake words. <laughs> yes. Well, I just love D, uh, the Dan Graney. He remembers, he has seemingly one of the best memories for who came up with what joke, wh- usually whether it was him or whether it was not him. Well, you got to think of all of the intense rivalries happening in that room. Like, oh, I wanted to, I wanted that joke. I'm funnier. I would have been, I would have exactly been that person. Oh, me too. Uh, so I also love that in the world that Lisa created somehow through evolution, a frink exists within <laughs> it as well. Yeah. I'm glad that there weren't like, different versions of like every Simpsons character. Frank mm-hmm. is the only existing Simpsons character to just be there. Just a Frank. Yeah, let's, let's well, hear. Well, how can we see? The, the others could be somewhere else. That's true. They could be just off screen. There is uh, Bill Watson, my favorite character. <laughs> it worked. The debigulator worked. <laughs> Welcome to our world, most gracious Lisa. Your world is incredible. And you speak English. We have listened to you speak since the dawn of time, O Creator. And we have learned to imitate you exactly. (laughs) You think I'm God? But of course. You looked down on us from heaven. You gave us life. And only your divine intervention can save us from the devil. The devil? What devil? The one you call Bart. It doesn't make sense, Bart is the devil. It's really creepy the way they wail at even hearing his name. Like, oh! He just caused like 34 9-11s. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not, not very long ago. The worst thing that's ever happened to them was done by Bart. I think this was a very stupid plan of theirs of like, well, how are we going to stop the devil? Well, we'll shrink down God to our size and then, then we'll ask her to fix it. I thought that was going to be the end of the Twilight Zone episode where the guy is like just cursed to be living in like the little town. That would have been better. He yeah. gets shrunk down to their size and then see how he likes it. But, but ultimately he is made to be small based on the two huge other astronauts that show up at the 
end and yeah. crush him to death. It's pretty you cool. Should, you should you should write a letter to Rod Serling and let him know. I'm gonna etch it onto his tombstone. <laughs> yeah, either way, uh, it's the most respectful way to do it. And uh, and also, yeah, they think that Bart. This is just such a funny segment of like, well, what would you ask God if God was in front of you? I, I really love Hank Azaria's normal ass guy in this <laughs> tiny world. So great, uh, God. Hi, Bill Watson. I uh, live in the clock building. <laughs> I have a question. If you're so good, why do you allow bad things to happen? Boy, am I so fat. Why do bad things happen to good people? Listen, I can take care of everything. All you have to do is unshrink me. Unshrink you? Well, that would require some sort of a rebigulator, yeah. which is a concept so ridiculous it makes me want to laugh out loud and short. Ah, uh, but not at you, O holiest of gods, with the wrathfulness and the vengeance and the blood rain and the hey, 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 it hurts me. Look, the destroyer, he returns. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, scenes in this or just a chunk of uh, stuff they had to take out about how bad it was to live in the Clark building. <laughs> Apparently, the Clark building was a real hellhole. They love that Clark building. So I, I wonder, how, doesn't time pass differently down there? Like, do we? I don't want to overthink this, but I oh, mean, no, like I... if they were evolving that quickly, shouldn't the time be totally off? I mean, wouldn't Lisa be an old woman? I was over... Bart attacked. I was definitely overthinking this quite a lot. Me that, too. That Lisa... Time is accelerated to the point that, like, that every time she looks away, a millennia, at least 200 years passes. But then once Lisa's there, their time is just stopped and they, they seem to live as long as she does. Instead, like, she should be watching them live and die in front of her in super <laughs> speed, but that's not as funny. Or the rest of the world outside of the, um, outside of the tub should be going super, super slow, like, barely perceptible. Yeah. Like, like she should just be in, like, in, in the room for the rest of her life with be, nothing changing. That's true. Be, yeah. That's be, very dark. That's a very dark ending. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's more dark in this style of like, I have to say one of the most disturbing, we talked about it when it appeared last year, but one of the most disturbing Simpsons treehouse ones ever might be Homer eating himself. And yeah. I, th- that would be on the level of Homer eating himself. That was, that was hard to handle. <laughs> it was. Ugh. Where did where did that one rank, Lewis? You, I, sorry, this is just off the top of my head. I was curious. I don't I don't remember um I did find it to be very disturbing. Yeah, just the way Homer walking around with less of himself beneath, hiding beneath of him. It's like, Just like carving parts of his body off. Yeah, just, uh, I, I, you know what I'm gagging thinking yeah. about it. Let's move on. The, uh, <laughs> so we get to the, we get to the end here and the milk carton ukulele for Martin is one of my favorite visuals. He's so disappointed and this is no diorama-rama, but I do enjoy how uh, at the end, Willie's ordered to throw away all of the experiments <laughs> yes. immediately. First rate work, Bart. This universe you've created is even more impressive than Martin's milk carton ukulele. Yeah. Willie, you can throw out the other projects. We have a winner. Principal Skinner, wait! I created the universe! Give me the gift certificate! <laughs> oh, great. Stuck in this lousy tub for the rest of my life. Shouldn't you people be groveling? <laughs> And bring me some shoes. Nice ones. She'll want socks, too. I'll, I'll get socks. <laughs> 
It's a good act break. <laughs> they knew how to make socks in that world just from seeing Lisa above them. It's very advanced society outside I, of the Clark building. Yeah. I love how just empty Willie's eyes are too as he's just throwing away all their <laughs> sides. Probably like, hey, he, do- he doesn't care. He does not care. Really don't care. The uh, All right, so then we get to the best one of this episode, the number two on Lewis's rankings. Like, uh, so Lewis, do you recall why what, what ultimately made this be your number two choice on the, the ranking of segments? I mean, I think that it's it's definitely the most quotable of all of the Treehouse of Horror segments, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably my personal favorite. I think that I, I tried to be a little bit ob- objective in terms of, like, overall quality, but I think that, like, personally, it's my favorite. Yeah, there's just so many good lines here. It's very politically cynical, which I enjoy. It could only happen in 1996. Like, this was... I, I think back to how they try to make so many Simpsons episodes timeless and this one only works for nine days. Yeah, yeah. And we should remind people, in case you forgot the production schedule of The Simpsons, this was likely written uh, towards the end of 95 or the very beginning of 96. Mm. So I believe at that point, it was pretty clear that Bob Dole would be the uh, front runner in the Republican Party for the nomination. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were just total wieners, I guess. Not it that was, Bob Dole isn't a wiener. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a wiener of his own of his <laughs> own brand, but uh, <laughs> he was the strongest wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. And he, he was a veteran what wiener. Well, I just said, what a visual. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Yes. Well, he I built a... He eventually was a spokesperson for strong wieners. That's so, uh, true. That's true. That's yeah. true. I had a, uh, a high school teacher who was a he was his main job was a preacher and he got to be a teacher in high school i'm just like what the fuck like how are you allowed to do this it was 2000 and he was uh the run-up to the 2000 election and he was so offended that bob dole did boner pill commercials he was Uh, so amazing like my candidates are better than doing boner pill commercials listen get over it he did also like a mastercard commercial Mm, commercial where he like he he comes home and everyone remember doesn't remember bob or they 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 remember him and then they ask for ID or something. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, people... I don't know why. I, ha- I have a lot of Bob Dole memories. <laughs> I remember that I had a I had a very visceral nightmare about Bob Dole during the '96 uh, campaign that I'll like never forget. He was a very uh, charismatic guy, but I mean, people need to get over the fact: a) Bob Dole kills people; b) Bob Dole fucks. <laughs> Just get over yes. it. And Bob Dole still alive. And he will be alive yes. lo- long into the future. <laughs> he is 94 years old, and I feel like we, we should play the anti-death jingle yes. to ward off the curse of talking Please, Simpsons. please do it. I ain't dead yet. Yeah, Bob Dole is still hanging in there, and as Dale Gribble says, he's a fake in that dead arm. <laughs> well, I don't know how much you've seen of Bob Dole lately. Oh, yeah. Uh, he pretty much, uh, he can just get on the phone and shout, as in just kind of wheeled around. If you want to see a very depressing picture, it's him surrounded by the other Republican ghouls giving him an award last year. All he can do is dial and yell. <laughs> but, and then he is, I looked up Bob Dole as well, and unlike a lot of his Republican assholes uh, that he came up with, he actually isn't even trying to pretend to be distant from our current president. Like, mm. Paul Manafort worked on his campaign. Like, oh, right. He, he, he sent him to the Trump campaign. He worked with them. He is more friendly to... He was the only pre-living Republican nominee for president that went to the RNC the year Trump was nominated. Like, that's how cool he is with our current president. He can't even pretend to be offended. 
visited by him. So he, uh, Trump is invited to his funeral. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure he's sending out those invites soon. I mean, you got to think about these things. But I also want to say that I think what made him a very, I mean, of course, he was running for president. And he was very popular. What really put him in my mind as like a comedic figure was uh, Norm MacDonald's admittedly terrible impression of him. <laughs> Even Norm MacDonald will say that. He's like, it was a terrible impression. I don't do impressions. Mm-hmm. Well, he did a good at Larry King. I'll say that. And a good David Letterman. What am I saying? He does some good impressions. But Bob Dole does this. Bob Dole says this. That was his entire impression. Like just saying, Bob, <laughs> did Bob Dole speak of himself in the third person a lot? It happens once in this episode. I, I, I think he did, right? I thought he I thought that was his thing or maybe I just like believe that now because I was ruined by by the impression. It could be one of those Carvey things where Carvey created like a new character based on uh, George <laughs> W. H. W. Bush that wasn't really him, and we just sort of t- took that as the real person over time. I feel like I remember seeing Bob Dole at least like give some speech about like if you don't know Bob Dole or Bob Dole isn't known for, but he maybe did that once and just we all extrapolated from it. But also I can't. I knew of Bob Dole when I was fourteen, and I saw way more of the impressions of him in things that I saw news like and I'm kind of surprised so Phil Hartman does play Clinton in this Mm -hmm. episode doing his SNL Clinton impression I'm just like why couldn't they get Norm it would have been great I mean Harry does a great Bob Dole don't get me wrong but if you're going to get one SNL guy bring the other one on you know (laughs) it's still a great segment don't get me wrong I I looked it up and apparently he did speak in the third person during the debates ah so they really just At, at least at least once, but I don't know if that was enough to really make it a, a, a thing. Yeah, someone just uh, took that and ran with it, I guess. Duh, this is also the triumphant return of Kang and Kodos, who they had been in minor appearances uh, every year, though they joke about how they almost forget to put them in some years in the Treehouse episodes. But their last real plot appearance in a Treehouse episode was in number two with a monkey's paw. Ah, that's right. I'm bored with a nail in it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, this is their first big return, and that's why they have to be like, like reintroduced, renamed, all that stuff. And uh, first, I love the I love Homer fishing. That underwater shot, looking up at the sky as the flying saucer arrives, is wonderful. Yeah, they didn't need to go that far, but so many great shots and angles in this episode. Okay, and the UFO catcher, literal UFO catcher, <laughs> grabbing him is pretty funny too, and dropping him the first time. Yes, yeah. Homer meets the aliens for the third and first time. Oh my God, space aliens! Don't eat me. I have a wife and kids. Eat them! Silence! We are travelers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. My name is Kang, and this is my sister, Kodos. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I suppose you want to probe me. Well, might as well get it over with. (laughs) Stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. <laughs> so uh, so David uh, S. Cohen, co-creator of Futurama, said on the commentary, for every segment in this episode, there is a corresponding Futurama episode that's very similar to it. And I can see that. What uh, this? So this will be uh, Head in the Poles, obviously, the Futurama episode of Head yes, in the Poles. Yeah, we're but Nixon. When I heard when I heard the Kang or Kodo say, silence, it reminded me of the Robot Elders a yes, lot. Yes, silence. Silence. <laughs> In the same bit there that they fit in a Uranus joke and a rectal probing joke. that They get they get both of them in there. Yeah, I mean, we were reaching the end of the rectal probing jokes. Uh, Kids in the Hall had a great one around this time. I love that one. The one, one in, a, oh, sorry. One in ten guys enjoy it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the, whole, the whole sketch was like, why are we still doing this? Yeah, what is the point of this? And then uh, I believe um, Scott Thompson is a, is a hayseed about to get probed in yes, that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love how Homer just points his butt at them and they're just revulsion at it too. That and then Homer's I feel like Homer's having like a doctor's office reaction, like, well, all right, let's just get this over with. Yeah, I mean Homer probably watched that Jonathan Frakes hosted a Fox special about aliens. <laughs> well, I think the rectal probing thing does come from the um the visitation one the the movie that Christopher Walken was Communion? in. Communion? Communion, yeah. yeah. Or, it, there was also fire in the sky. Yeah. Uh, which though when you think of that, I, I I remember lots of people point this out, but uh, John Hodgman has a very funny joke in his book about how like that you have a found memory of being like kidnapped and then something going up your butt. And it's like, well, that has no relation to anything else that could happen in real yeah. life. And it definitely is aliens. I think, too, they say that uh, Kodos has been written rather inconsistently as a female uh, in it, though. Honestly, what is gender on their planet anyway? It's true. And Sarak the Preparer has never come back because he's too expensive. <laughs> That's true. Never. <laughs> I I love the Homer barely remembering Bob Dole because it did feel like I don't know I guess he could have won but once Clinton won and it was so it, it reminded me that Bob Dole wasn't that well known and nobody was really rooting for him it's just the Republicans had to have somebody that yeah year. but I do use the term mumbly Joe a lot when I can't mumbly think of someone's Joe. name mumbly Joe <laughs> take us to your leader well, I guess you mean President Clinton. He usually hangs around Washington, D.C. <laughs> President Clinton. Excellent. Except, um, there's this election next week, so after that it might not be him anymore. It might be, what's his name? Uh, Mumbly Joe. Uh, I saw him on TV the other... Uh, Bob Dole! Hmm. An election. That complicates matters. Set grid coordinates for Bob Dole. <laughs> Well, night, everybody. Night, Senator. Good, Mr. Dole. Good luck next week. What? Uh, Bob Dole doesn't need this. <laughs> What's happening? Is it noon already? <laughs> My favorite Bob Dole uh, line of dialogue in this is, what the hell is this, some kind of tube? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up later. It's so, I the matter-of-fact statement of things is good. I think Harry Shearer... He didn't discover a new impersonation for him. He's just doing the popular impersonation, but he does a good job with it. Yeah. And I also love that he's leaving the uh, Republican National Committee and that one of them just like, hey, good luck uh, good luck next week. Like, <laughs> not that they've been working for two years to get him elected, but they're just like, ah, hey, good luck next week. He didn't so. just drop by. <laughs> <laughs> also, did you know, not only Paul Manafort, but Roger Stone, like Ooh. insane, crazy, racist Roger Stone of the Trump campaign. He also worked for Bob Dole, like on, great on people. Roger Stone is uh, Roger Stone has worked on every presidential Republican campaign since the beginning of time. Yeah. That's true. He's he's a three thousand year old demon, <laughs> and there's no other explanation for his his uh, whole shtick. Yeah, no, I mean, no non immortal wears that kind of top hat in public with a cane. Absolutely I mean, not. You got to <laughs> wonder what deals with the devil they made. Like uh, Kissinger is still alive. He, uh. looks, he looks like a left for dead infected now, but. <laughs> He had to make some sort of demon contract to live this long. Yes, yeah. Oh God, he's yeah. a boomer, everybody. Yeah, Do get you away from play him. That, that clip again, or not worried about it. Do you want to play that clip again to ward off death for Kissinger? Oh no, no, not, we no. welcome death for Kissinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shows you where they were at with Bill Clinton jokes. That they, I think, in '96 that you could get a, you could do a Bill Clinton philanderer joke, but this is really before the whole blowjob thing exploded on us. Yeah, uh, I mean, the previous year, phrasing, uh, the phrasing of that was not great but yes yeah the, the previous year on the critic we had the headline fat lecherous hillbilly elected that's true 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but instead, this is just the lazy Bill Clinton who sleeps in and doesn't even do anything, which that's just the Obama complaint as well. Like, it's just the old, the old lazy thing. What shocks me watching this now to think if you made today or even uh, let's say in the Obama administration too, just to keep this bipartisan. If during the either of these, the Simpsons did a Halloween segment where the president is stripped naked and later killed, I feel like you could not do that. Or during the uh, W administration either, they wouldn't have done this. Yeah, and I and I keep thinking back to uh, I think we referenced this earlier on on the show uh, actually when there's the the wax museum with Reagan's head on a pike. Uh, uh, in Game of Thrones, some clever prop person found a George W. Bush like mold or whatever and stuck a head on a pike, and you could barely tell it's him. It's on screen for like half a second, but they had to like they had to recall DVDs because of that, and it was not at a time where George W. Bush was liked. Yeah, so yeah. like killing. Two people, two presidential candidates on the air, one of which is a president. It seems pretty crazy, but also like super daring and great. I like it's a great joke they, too. I feel like they could have they could have survived in space for a while, right? <laughs> they they immediately died. They immediately. <laughs> and Homer has killed They're both. They're doing fine. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so we get to hear about the nude conspiracies. Uh, what the hell is this? Some kind of tube? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for taking care of it all for me. Hey! <laughs> Commence bio-duplication. Love the animation on this trip. No. Aliens, bio-duplication, nude conspiracies. Oh, my God. Lyndon LaRouche was right. What? Are you still here? I'm afraid we'll have to dispose of you. No, no! What are you spraying me with? Run! So no one will believe your story. And don't come back. So Lyndon LaRouche is a famously insane guy who keeps running for president. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's... Uh, and also, he's one year younger than Bob... No, he's one year older than Bob Dole and still with us as well. 95. Yeah, it's... Uh, I looked up some of Lyndon LaRouche's uh, biggest conspiracies. Uh, at the time of this, his biggest conspiracy was that Queen Elizabeth secretly controls the British army and that they are uh, influencing the world. Also with the Jews. He does mm-hmm. blame some Jews in there, but only the rich ones. And then... Uh, uh, and so he's got anti-Semitism in there too. Later, he would he kind of was ahead of the curve on predicting Obama death panels as well. That was another of his, and that uh, and he was a 9/11 truther as well. So he was he's kind of was Alex Jones before Alex Jones too, but not as not as popular on the radio. He's got the, the full deck of conspiracy cards. He's got it all, that LaRouche. Yeah, he's uh, he's quite an interesting fellow. <laughs> and uh, I also just love the way, uh, what what the hell, some kind of tube. That's such a great line. And so is rum. <laughs> yes, cutting him going rum. <laughs> so, so there are some plot holes that are come up on the commentary that they all laugh about. It's like, well, the aliens could have waited until the election was over and just killed the winner. Yes. But also uh, the bioduplication happens. But later in the show, Homer pulls off masks. <laughs> 
So yeah, they're they, forgetting about the whole like all the science behind it. They're just crammed into suits at the end. It's funny that the Kangakotas are non-lethal. Like they they could have killed the president in but- Dole, but they don't kill them, and they don't even kill Homer, even though they really should. It's he, easier to fool dumb Americans. Yeah, uh, and that they that they know what rum is too to just soak him in liquor, so no one believes. Yeah. <laughs> also, in the commentary, they talk about something that I'm not a particularly big fan of, which is just the the political stance of doesn't matter. Both guys are terrible. Vote for either. They're an evil. Like it's, I'm not a fan of that. It was definitely how people felt in 96. Yeah. And in two, I mean like in 2016. And always. Yeah. I mean like uh, on the commentary that was recorded in deep in the George W. Bush years. And I feel like David S. Cohen was a little like apologetic about making a Futurama episode with the same, uh, the same premise. Like it doesn't Uh, matter who you vote for. And Dan Gurney's like, no, it absolutely matters who you vote for. One is a fucking war criminal who's in office right now. And I'm surprised they didn't edit that out of a Fox DVD. Yeah. It is kind of surprising. Yeah. So thank you, Dan Gurney from 14 years ago. But that, uh, though, Matt Chrisman, uh, when he was on our Two Bad Neighbors episode, he pointed out that, like, well, Clinton and Dole did have such similar stances. It was easy to believe that, though. I still am like, hey, look, I'll complain about Democratic candidates all day letting me down, but uh, on a national scale, I they'd have to be a really bad candidate for me not to vote for uh, to vote for a Republican over them. Never, no, no, never. Just go third party. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, they throw Homer out. And I, this is just all clips. I'm sorry. It's pretty much every line of dialogue from Citizen Kang I clipped. But <laughs> it's th- worth it. These aliens campaigning is the greatest. Get Brockman here with Campaign 96. America flips a coin. Mm-hmm. At an appearance this morning, President Clinton made some rather cryptic remarks, <laughs> which aides attributed to an overly tight necktie. <laughs> I am Clinton. As overlord, all will kneel trembling before me and obey my brutal commands. And communication. <laughs> That's like Willie for you, always with the smooth talk. March, march. <laughs> there I was. I had just caught the largest fish you'd ever seen when I was abducted by a flying saucer. Sure you were, Rummy. <gasps> That's one of the creatures. Senator Dole, why should people vote for you instead of President Clinton? It makes no difference which one of us you vote for. <laughs> Either way, your planet is doomed. Doomed. Well, a refreshingly frank response there from Senator Bob Dole. These candidates make me want to vomit in terror. <laughs> vomit in terror is great. Yeah. I, Disappointed and terrified. is amazing. <laughs> I love that whole speech that, uh, that first the, the wonderful cover, which does fit with like, it was just a very hot day for Miss Clinton when she fell down. She has the, the flu. <laughs> yeah, the, the same of the, the overly tight necktie. <laughs> no matter what he says, like voters like Marge are just like, that's like Willie, always with the smooth talk. And then meanwhile, the the stance that you're doomed either way, the, the I mean, when you think about it from an ecological standpoint, yes, it doesn't matter. Our planet is doomed. Mm-hmm. I also think there's something really dark about the so the whole, like, you could just say these awful things and it's considered to be refreshingly frank. Yeah. Like we've seen that more and more recently, where as long as, oh. you're, as you perceive to be honest about how terrible you are, that's considered better than trying to sugarcoat anything. Well, it, yeah. would be, it would be uncivil to attack people for being awful. Yes, yeah. You have to go, sir, sir. Uh, sir, <laughs> sir, you need to apologize for that sir 
Did you really mean that, sir? Really, sir? We can't even get that spe- Like, honestly, we're recording this far a few weeks in advance, so I can't even get that specific on things about the our current president because I know it'll be topped, like, in the next three days after this. His racially charged sentimonies. Yes. <laughs> so racially charged. Why? Well, he should discharge this racialness. <laughs> Uh, just call him a racist. Uh, so then part two of the campaigning. Ladies and gentlemen, 73-year-old candidate Bob Dole. 73. <laughs> Abortions for all. <laughs> Very well. No abortions for anyone. <laughs> abortions for some. Miniature American flags for others. Yeah! Fooling these Earth voters is easier than expected. Yes, all they want to hear are bland pleasantries embellished by an occasional (laughs) saxophone solo or infant kiss. Uh, Mr. President, sir, people are becoming a bit confused by the way you and your opponent are, well, constantly holding hands. We are merely exchanging long protein strings. If you can think of a simpler way, I'd like to hear it. So that was George Stephanopoulos making a rare Simpsons appearance. It's a very specific design. Yes, that's that's absolutely George Stephanopoulos. The though he's not as short as I imagine him. He's kind of crouching in a van. It's hard to tell. That's true. Uh, that's that's such perfect casting. There, they didn't draw. Meanwhile, I'll say unrealistically, there was a black guy in the Republican National Convention. Yeah, thing, which I'm like, no way. What's going on there? Oh no, no, no! It, it's so weird to hear the word abortion said on simpsons yeah it's a funny gag about how you can't play it's just how it's such a divisive issue but just to hear the word abortion on simpsons like boy that almost sounds like saying the f word on the show i'm gonna say that uh it was never said before on the simpsons or or possibly after i would possibly since then yeah yeah, I would think not. Well, let's go to Frankiac and put abortion in. Let's see what we get. But the also just I love the way everyone's looking at Dole and Clinton walking down the street holding hands, and the idea of what a long protein string is. That feels like a semen joke to me, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe. Bob Dole is right to be mad at the Secret Service later in this because Homer's able to do a good job of stalking the presidents, uh, the president and the senator, without the Secret Service noticing. He's, he's following pretty close behind them. So uh, in the season 16 episode, Thank God It's Doomsday, the word abortion appears again. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, is that the Left Behind episode? Where uh, it might they, be. They parody that. I remember that. I have to say, though, I do appreciate... So we're uh, so when Clinton and Dole are speaking later in the segment, they're speaking in front of like a factory with like hard hats on. That is, the, that is a really great observational thing Perfect. because these people don't care about these workers or these factories. They're just shoved in front of a decaying factory mm-hmm. to make some sort of statement about the jobs are coming back. It happens every four years in my hometown. A president stands in front of a depressing factory and makes promises he can't keep, and everybody forgets about it and blames black people. Oh, don't forget immigrants, Bob. They blame uh, them too. They chased they chased all the immigrants out of my town. <laughs> okay, so they're oh Jesus, that's Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's, it's so well observed, and also shows like it never changes. Like twenty years later in the in the twenty sixteen election, the same posing, the same hard hats, the same the same locations. They only only the abandoned factories are just getting more decayed over time and a generation more poor but okay so i've been saving line of this show i think uh this speech by clinton is Mm. the line of the episode that's the joke my fellow americans 
As a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball. <laughs> but tonight I say we must move forward, not backward, upward, not forward, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs> Candidates are phonies! Really? You heard me! They're alien replicants from beyond the moon! <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, yeah, I, I agree it's line of the show, but I feel like with our current like oatmeal brain president who's just uh, his his gray matter is rapidly decaying in front of us, this mm-hmm. is not too far removed from what we hear him say. It's I basically mean, the same speech. Yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Well, though, he would brag that he was the greatest baseball player ever. Like, he's like, oh, I could have been pro. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He would Trump say there's never been a better baseball player than me. Never been. You ask everybody. They'd tell you the same. The, uh, but I just love the little pause after, like, I dreamed of being a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and the extra fun to it, too, the animation of, like, of, of him just actually whirling and twirling but as he, he talks. He's doing it awkwardly like a middle-aged man would yes, on, yeah. on stage. It's not, it's not very well. I mean, the animation is great, but it's very awkward looking. I think Kang and Kodos are really getting into their parts. They're, they're like, you know, this is fun. It's fun to run for president. I'm yeah. really getting into this. Uh, they also, on the commentary, they make a funny joke about how, like, oh, it's good Homer interrupted Dole so he didn't have to write another funny thing for him to say. <laughs> And uh, I also just love his uh, alien replicons from beyond the, the moon. moon. Like everyone's right to laugh at him. He he is just being a crazy conspiracy theorist. Take now. your stinking flag too. <laughs> I miss when conspiracy theories were about aliens. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, they're still they're still there. They're still there's still reptilian conspiracy theories happening. Yeah, I guess so. But I thought the reptiles were like it's it's usually comes back to just like anti-Semitism though. It's never actually yeah. aliens. I mean, Alex Jones used to do the fun conspiracy theories. Now yeah. he does like the FEMA camps and the Pizza Gates and the crisis actors and what have you. Yeah, he still mixes it. He still he still has some like some old fashioned crazy in there. <laughs> so it's a, it's still a good mix, I would say. Yeah, I just I miss the Art Bell era of them. Mm. I like well, when he talks about crisis actors, he should say the kids are aliens. Just say that, like not. Not, not actors like eh. that would make it less abhorrent sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it dissociates it a little bit i uh re-watching this i legit laughed out loud at homer finding the barely hidden saucer like the way he bumps into it and then it just reveals it's it's not even hidden he should have seen it like i don't know 10 minutes ago <laughs> 10 miles away <laughs> as he was walking towards it homer is gonna save the day right oh no am i still here I don't want to serve up my term naked in a tube. I am so mad at the Secret Service right now. Hey, who the hell are you? (laughs) I'm Homer Simpson, sir, and I'm going to get you back to Washington before it's too late. You know, Senator, being in suspended animation gave me time to think. Partisan (laughs) politics are tearing our country apart. You got a point there, Bill. If you and I are going to whoop these one-eyed space fellas, we're going to have to set aside our differences. Together, we can lead America into a new golden age. Friend, you got a deal. Homer, let us out. It's time to tear those aliens a third corn shoot. That was not a dumb move by Homer. He, he hit the two button. Yeah. It was there. It's, and Homer's doing a pretty good job of flying a, a space saucer to Washington, D.C. Yeah. before this. But God, just the way they're the nude president 
presidential candidates thrown into space and then they struggle for like one second before they're just killed in the vacuum and just floating just like in 2001 it reminds me of the 2001 uh, uh suffocating in space and that yeah anybody looking at that label would think like no this is the open the tubes button <laughs> and the the phrase third corn shoot i like that too yes <laughs> a third corn shoot so uh homer's flying he's still flying to washington dc and i may not have watched the episode of twilight zone but i did watch the ending of earth versus the flying saucers mm. which uh so it, on wikipedia it's like oh this is a reference to that and i had never seen that movie it's an early ray harryhausen uh special effects if you know it came out in 56 and then when you watch you're like this is pretty good for 1956 mm, okay. and it's got a bunch of stop motion destroy i mean it's really independence day 40 years before independence day it's you get to see flying saucers destroy monuments and the very last flight the 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 top moment the money shot of the movie the last flying saucer to explode is the one that crashes into the top of the capitol building in the same way okay i really love uh the cheat they do in this episode where homer crashes it into the capitol building and then there's just a pan down and you hear stairs he immediately like appears (laughs) like he he goes down one staircase in like three (laughs) seconds and runs at the front door uh it's so i i i love that too there's so many great just visual gags in this on top of it, but the, the, the aliens are revealed. The politics of failure have failed. <laughs> we need to make them work again. Tomorrow, when you are sealed in the voting cubicle, vote for me, Senator K- Bob Dole. <laughs> I am looking forward to an orderly election tomorrow, which will eliminate the need for a violent bloodbath. <laughs> America, take a good look at your beloved candidates. They're nothing but hideous space reptiles. Yeah, we heard the nice like uh, stare and then like a normal door opening sound. Yeah, from the Capitol. <laughs> <Yeah>. nor- <laughs> and they just the reveal like hideous space reptiles. That that does fit with the, liz- the yeah. lizard people. Yeah, exactly. And and I like how they're they're kind of like their eyes are sheepishly looking from above their collars. Yeah. Like, Yo-oh. It's kind of cute. We're caught. Uh, oh, I meant to talk about it earlier, but the, the, that it's only $5 to go to presidential debate is pretty crazy. <laughs> <too. laughs> really, amazing. I would think it's free that they, they just pick the people well, out There's like a, a lottery you have to mm-hmm. win to get into that, something like that. To be the next uh, Ken Bone. Hmm. <laughs> uh, he's in some really cool porn, everybody. Yes. Look it up. <laughs> that's, that's the least of his problems. I know. Uh, but all right, so we get to the finale here, which is uh, really shitting on third parties. <laughs> We are aliens, but what are you going to do about it? It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. He's right. This is a two-party system. Well, I believe I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away. (laughs) 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 All hail. President K. Hmm. <laughs> I don't understand why we have to build a ray gun to aim at a planet I never even heard of. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodo. Mm-hmm. Go! I just love that. Bit. 
That's where I disagree with you, Henry, and I, I find many people misinterpret that joke. I don't think it's shitting on third parties. I think it's shitting on the American brain infection that they wouldn't vote. There can, there can only be two parties, Democrat and Republican, and even though both will enslave you, <laughs> you will not vote for a third party because you cannot even like think of the very idea. And You're I, throwing your vote away. I agree. It, you might, c- it, might be, it might be shitting specifically on, on Ross Perot. A bit. I, I think they're just kind of attacking the like political system, which at mm. this time, that's why they were making all the jokes like, oh, they're the same person because you only have two choices and they're both the same. So I feel like that is the message here. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that Ross Perot was the most successful third-party candidate like ever, or at least in modern electoral history, because he, he yeah. got to be in the debates. He was in the debates and in 1996 he had started up the reform party where he was their presidential candidate but he didn't get to be on the debates again they kept him out of it and he got eight percent of the vote which still for a third party candidate pretty good yeah i mean i will say that uh obviously i do not like donald trump uh no. I, I i hate him a lot more than i dislike hillary clinton but i didn't i didn't want to vote for her pragmatically i did vote for her because i knew that vote would count more but i also don't like when people blame jill stein or or mm. Gary Johnson for Trump winning. Those that, 20,000 votes Jill Stein got would have totally gone <laughs> to Hillary. It would have taken her over the edge. But yeah, I just want to say, be be nicer to the third party's people. I think if you're going to blame a Jill Stein or a Ralph Nader, that also comes with this kind of gross assumption that the person who voted for them would have otherwise voted for the Democratic candidate. Like, if you're showing up to vote third party, you, the Democrats haven't won you over and you wouldn't have voted for them anyway. It shouldn't, when counting the ballots, it shouldn't, same with like, well, then did Gary Johnson take votes away from Trump and he would have had the electoral, he would have had a different victory? Like, it's just, I'm not into blaming third parties in general, but yes, Bob, you're right. This is not, it's not mocking third parties. It's that Americans would, on a national scale, never accept a third party. Yeah, between the choice of why slavery. Do th- why do you think they voted for Kang over Kodos? Hmm, <laughs> I don't know. So which one was Kang? Was he Clinton or Dole? Kang was Dole. Kang was Dole. Oh, wow. Yep. So they were wrong on that front, too, with that prediction. Maybe they thought uh, Clinton would be voted out. (laughs) Yeah. I think it might have just been alphabetical order for people voting, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the era when Republicans were kind of taking over the country in terms of like the House and the Senate and everything, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they thought it would just be a Republican sweep on the in '96, but that's uh, yeah, that was it was Kang that won it, and I also love that his when he's president, he sits on a throne with a giant <laughs> scepter and and uh, crown on his head too on the Capitol steps. God, Bob Dole could have been our first, uh, our oldest president elected. Yeah, he's he was if he had been elected in '96, he would have been two years older than Trump was when he was elected. Mm-hmm. Who he is officially the oldest president ever. And uh, and also though the I love the I love the alien flag design that's so beautiful that is great yeah it went that far uh, just the colors on it and and yeah I also love as a last line of the show don't blame me I voted for Kodos which is such a great ridiculous line because. It's it's so cynical and fatalist, but I love it. I'm just like, well, yeah, if you voted for Kodos, you'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> you can't, don't act fancy when you're like, well, I, if, don't blame me. I voted for this person. I've seen that on a bumper sticker before. <laughs> it's a good one. I'd, I'd get that before the coexist bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, Lewis, any final thoughts on this uh, Treehouse of Horror? I just think that this this segment is so much more depressing than I remember it being. <laughs> um, but then what isn't in 2018? Yeah, it's true. Uh, 20, uh, like the past two years, I put a certain stink on certain things I used to enjoy <laughs> a lot more. 
in the Obama administration, really, yeah, yeah, everything, basically everything, existing. In the Obama administration, I could watch political satire, like say this or Doctor Strange Love, and just kind of laugh with a certain remove of like, well, we're past that now, and uh, not so much anymore. And that was just my brain problem anyway at the time. Of just like I don't know, there were things to be mad about under Obama as well, but it just seemed it was better to think everything was fixed. Yeah. So, Lewis, uh, we'll do our own plugs once we're off the air with you, but anything you want to plug right now? You know, follow me on Twitter, at Lewis Peitzman. Read my articles. I don't know. Fave my tweets if you want to. That's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, one of my, a uh, couple of my favorites, I really like your um, uh, your recent chat about the SpongeBob musical and how amazing it is. Mm. Like it- oh, I, 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 I stand the SpongeBob musical. I will, I will defend it to the earth. <laughs> I think it was robbed of Tony Awards, and I am not over it. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, and also, you've done multiple great articles on Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and especially your oral history of it is one of my all-time favorites uh, of the stuff you've written. And I, I wish we'd had you on for the uh, last year's Treehouse when we talked about Freddy Krueger. But, like, well, what did you think of that? Uh, was that a good Freddy Krueger parody? Yeah, I think that I actually watched that before I was into Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I was familiar with it, but I think that I – I mean, I watched that when it aired – and I don't think I'd actually seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie at the time. But in retrospect, it's very well done. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll have you back for sure. Thanks for having me. So thanks again to Lewis Peitzman for being on this episode. It's been great, folks. Let's talk about the Patreon super quick to let you know how this entire network is funded. Just go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons to find out how you can help. We have so many different levels. Uh, $5 level is very popular. There's over 100 bonus podcasts you probably haven't heard waiting for you right now as soon as you sign up. So check it out. Stuff like Talking Futurama and Talking Critic. What's our most recent bonus stuff, Henry? Well, well, at this time, since we're starting season eight, we just did our season wrap ups for season seven and the deleted scenes. So uh, in audio form, you can listen to us chat about the deleted scenes and w- how good or not good maybe they were. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you're at the $10 level, you can watch the video version of that of me and Bob chatting over it and you can see the deleted scenes there. And of course, our season seven wrap up where we talk about all the news and events that happened to The Simpsons during that year. Yeah. And be sure to check out our interviews with people like David Silverman and Mike Reese and Nell Scoville, all exclusive to the Patreon. Sign up and you'll get to hear all of those immediately. But thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Uh, be sure to go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. As for me, I've been one of the hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast every Monday and occasionally a bonus episode on Friday. Just go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. We've been going on since 2006 or so many topics we've covered. I'm sure you'll find something you'll like. Just dig it up and find it and then subscribe. I think you'll like it. Henry, how about you? I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can follow me there for all the updates on when stuff goes live. So when we do bonus content on the Patreon or do regular episodes or even tease some of the cool stuff we're doing like our, uh, well, I guess when you're listening to this, we might actually be in Los Angeles doing our cool LA trip stuff. I'm selling out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So check all that out on uh, my Twitter, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week for You Only Move Twice with some very special guests. We'll see you then. Thank you.